It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you from Quarantine Central here, uh, COG Home Studios, as we say, on a wonderful Monday, April the 13th. We have a wonderful show in store for you. A little bit later in the show, we're going to have a great interview with the one, the only, Mr. Edson Buttle will be joining the show uh, directly from New York, so that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, we have really good insight into LA Galaxy manager Dent Closa. Uh, what that Christian Pavone, uh, what it means for Dominic Kinnear, a whole bunch of really fun stuff, uh, concluding with some EMLS and some other things we can throw around in there. Helping me do all of that, it is the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, uh, you, you got the got the mask on again, huh? Yeah, well, I don't want to infect you with the Rona. I'm uh, listening to the I, governor. I don't want to affect my friends here. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you're almost as far away from me as like Washington D.C. is to Florida. Um, but the so microphone's right probably here. Okay. Can, it, can it go through the microphone? <laughs> it, it could. It could. I don't know. There's no. There's no scientific data to state that yet. So, so I think so you're do good. I, I don't need to wear this. You're absolutely fine. You're absolutely fine. For oh, the seven yeah, people that's who great watch because this, it's really fogging up my glasses and stuff. <laughs> I was going to say for the seven people who watch this on YouTube and the you know two thousand people who listen on the podcast, they're really going to love the sight gags that you do whenever there's a camera on. Like this one, the the football quarterback. <laughs> Exactly, exactly that one. I guess I guess I just I should say that you're just driving content or driving people to the content on YouTube. So or driving I, I, them I'll, away, I'll, more likely. <laughs> that be that would also be correct. Uh, are, how are you doing, Kevin? You hanging in there? I am. I'm getting a little bored. Um, I'm missing soccer. I'm missing all live sports. Um, the restaurant, you know, all that's not too bad. The takeout's not not too bad. Um, getting to spend time with Mrs. Panda and Chicharita, my dog. But um, TV's a wasteland now. Yeah, it's starting to. I feel like we're running out of shit. I, I, we were searching for movies. My wife and I were searching for movies, and we go through the whole thing. And I'm like, we hit like the end of the queue in terms of like looking at stuff. I'm like, that's it. We ran out of shows. There's there's nothing more to watch. I don't know what you want me to do. Well, I I saw um, Central Until I Die, which is really good. Watched the whole series. Watched uh, yep. the the English game, which was good. I've seen a lot of comedy specials. I am definitely. We cannot end the, the uh, sequester until I watch The Irishman. I've got to set aside three and a half hours to watch that. But once I get that out of the way, then we can call all this off and move on. Then you're good. You're good to go. Then you've, you've basically. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting on. Yeah, you just want to. You're, you're ready to. You're going to give Trump a call whenever you're done with your Netflix queue and, you, and you're done. You're good to go. No, right? Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci. He's the one running <laughs> the show now, right? That, that's right. Dr. Fauci. That's right. Uh, so anyway, uh, some great stuff. Uh, Kevin, I know, uh, like I said, you and I talked to Edson Buttle. We're going to play that interview a little bit later um, on in this program. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Um, but I know that you had a wonderful conversation with uh, Mr. Dennis Close, the general manager. And I think if we're really going to start anywhere, we need to start there because um, that has the most implication on what could happen, what might happen, what Dennis thinks might happen, but it involves a whole bunch of people whenever you're thinking about the LA Galaxy. So uh, so why don't you uh, kick us off with a little bit about uh, what you talked with Dennis about? Well, I really appreciate Dennis. He's a straight shooter. He's very honest. If you ask a question, he will answer it. And he just lets you take wherever that goes. So many people in his position try to couch their answers and try to assume what you're going to do with it. And sometimes it just gets all muddled and the message gets messed up. Dennis just answers the question. Um, and I asked him, I said, what do you think of 
the commissioner coming out and saying they're going to play 34 games and they may open in empty stadiums and we're going to get through this season. And, and Dennis, I think he's the first person to go on the record as challenging Don Garber's assessment or first big guy to go on the record is challenging uh, the gov- uh, the commissioner and say, we're not going to play 34 games. He's, he didn't say they absolutely won't, but he said it would be extremely challenging. Uh, he didn't see any way that it would happen. And he said, uh, as far as he doesn't want to play in empty stadiums, but he said we have to look at that. That has to be an option. And he also said that he doesn't think that we can bring fans back into stadiums until, uh, you know, until the obviously the, the 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 trend clears a little bit. But also he said we need testing. We need testing with rapid results before we know that we can let people in to sit shoulder to shoulder and stand next to each other in a in a food line and high five and do all those things that we do at soccer games. So, and he didn't see that coming anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and I would like to say that maybe I consider myself a little bit smarter than I was at the beginning of this um, and and say that that you and I have been talking about that same thing, that one of the precursors for all this is going to be that rapid testing is going to be about the ability to give people the satisfaction that they're in a safe spot. Um, But that goes with the players as well. I mean, I know uh, you and I talked after you talked with Dennis. uh, He goes on and and he talks about, you know, the aviation side of this, which is we don't know if it's safe to fly. How are you going to put teams on planes right now? Uh, in terms of you know being able to test that you know have have test these people uh, see if you know you test the flight attendants I mean there there has to be so much and I really think that as you're seeing all these governors and you see the president you see all these they're they're starting to ask the questions of how we return to quote unquote normal for a little while um, and, and do this stuff and those still seem to be the biggest questions is is how do you return to normal. Well, when, I think you see the trend getting much better in New York. California's had a lot of luck so far, knock on wood. Um, it seems to be the, the, the worst case scenarios are not coming true, which is great. And so when I listen to the to the Santa Clara County Board of Commissioners um, talk about how they don't foresee professional sports there until Thanksgiving at least, I think that's a little bit of a doomsday scenario. I think that probably is is a little bit strained. I think we'll probably get back to sports before that. Um, but you know, that's what the experts are saying right now. We have to listen to the experts until things do turn around and they're saying Thanksgiving. I think we'll probably see some professional sports in the middle of the summer in some way, shape or form. I don't know how, you know, the German Bundesliga, they said they're coming back next month in May and they're doing it for the TV money. They owe 920, they'll lose $920 million in TV rights if they don't come back. So they need to play games. Essentially it's going to be, uh, you know, on a back lot. It's a TV studio at that point, they're going to play games in a TV studio to get that money. I don't think MLS faces that crush. And so the the doomsday scenarios, the the Thanksgivings before you have sports, I don't know if that's true. But Dennis was very smart in talking about, first of all, the need for testing. I I haven't heard other professional uh, sports executives talk about testing the way that he talked about it and rapid results and how uh, people have to be tested before they come into the games. That was interesting. He did also talk about, as you mentioned, air travel. We can't fly to games. Maybe we set up a thing where – there's a division, and the Galaxy play in a division with LAFC, Portland, San Jose, Seattle, Vancouver, um, to limit the travel somehow. Um, you know that might be a possibility. Uh, another thing he talked about, and you and I have talked about this. Maybe that's where he got it. Maybe he listened to us and figured it out. But MLS Obviously. has 26 teams. They're in t- 17 states, the District of Columbia, and three Canadian provinces. Every one of those jurisdictions has different rules. And Dennis right. made the point of like, look, we're in California. We're in a big state and a big city, and we have aggressive rules with social distancing and other things. Other states don't have that. You know, in Utah, there's not a statewide uh, shutdown. Um, so Salt Lake is in a different sort of situation than maybe some other city in the same state. So 
Dennis's point was, how can we get everybody on the same page when we're dealing with 17 different sets of rules and regulations? That has to be overcome too. Maybe LAFC can, or, and the Galaxy can go out and practice, but uh, Sporting Kansas City can't, or vice right. versa. How can you then start the league until everyone's on the same page? Yeah, and and that always goes back to it, to to what we've been saying again. It it just it just makes sense, um, and that you know it seems like testing is getting better, and it seems like people are are starting to do a little bit uh, more testing, and it seems like it's going to be available to more people. Um, but the rapid results of that, you know, um, just dealing in in business right now, I can tell you, you know, that we were told on on a possible uh, person who had uh, who had been um, somewhere near one of our businesses that it was like twenty four to seventy two hours um, to find out the results, and that's too long. If you're going to be housing players in any sort of central location um, and anything that like that, I mean, Dennis is in a tough spot though here, Kevin. I mean, certainly he has, um, you know, before all this went down, he was in hot pursuit of uh, of a defender, uh, Mr. Alan Franco, um, and so you know, looking at that, he was he was trying to do that, and so that's sort of you know everything's ground to a halt on that. And I would imagine that even though the transfer window is still open, you're not seeing any teams any moves or doing anything um and that will apparently be open till about may 5th um so uh you have that that he has to consider so short-term moves for the la galaxy even when they're not playing games but there's also long-term moves in terms of this season and how you even try to plan for this season and next season kevin i mean when you're a general manager you're not just looking at now but you're looking at next season as well um you know what does does dennis have his head wrapped around any of that stuff well, he talked a little bit about that. He he did say, he said, one of the things that's sort of a saving grace with this is the league, and he said he appreciated the league organizing these conference calls. Every Tuesday, they gather with its general managers, uh, top team executives, and they have a conference call and talk about things probably like the restarting of the league, maybe the TV contract, some of those real um, hot-button issues, and they discuss that every week on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, there's a general manager's conference call where the general managers alone without, uh, you know, without the business people talk about different things. Uh, Dennis right. goes on both calls. And then after that, there are subcommittees of the general managers and he is on the player development subcommittee. He said he loves that because that's where Dennis's heart is. Anyways, he said he's got a chance to reconnect with people uh, in, the, in the Netherlands and in Mexico and Latin America that he sort of lost track of. And he's getting to build those relationships. There's no question that that's going to help the galaxy down the road. That's kind of the silver lining. Um, but, uh, as far as the thing that you talked about, he doesn't, he said, everything's really wait and see. You don't know what's going to happen in the transfer window. He said the galaxy, his position is they are going to sort of sit back and just see what goes on. He, he has not given up on Alan Franco did think that they had something very, very close before this whole thing went down. Everything was put on hold. Um, you know, right. AEG reliant on all its concert venues around the world may not have had the, may not have the money they thought they had back then. Um, so that's bad. He's still pursuing him. He's still trying to work on it. But he said everything in Argentina is in flux. Everything here is in flux. The other, the positive side of that is Christian Pavone. If if a team makes an offer to the to Boca Juniors, who still don't retain the rights to Christian Pavone, remember he's on loan. If right. a, a team in Europe wants Christian Pavone in the transfer window, and they make an offer, the Galaxy have the right to match that offer. Um, the offer is probably going to be steep, and the Galaxy probably won't be able to. Dennis knew that going into this uh, into the summer air, uh, time. He doesn't think anyone's going to do that. He just thinks finances are too up in the air. Some of the European leagues may still be playing then. He doesn't. He said it's a real long shot that anybody would do that. He, um, he kind of gave the impression that it might be tough for the Galaxy to match if they did. He doesn't think that's going to happen. So so Christian Pavone, is, is, his loan contract goes through December 31st. So if there is a season, 
Dennis expects Christian Pavone to be here for that time. He also mentioned, too, that as people talk about how to rejigger the league and how to play the league, we're looking at probably a situation where they'll play six to eight games a month, which would be one to two games a week. Dennis said we can't, you know, he didn't actually say this, but he intimated that we can't do that with the roster we have. We're not deep enough. So if they do make some moves, that's, I think, where where you would see them. Uh, depth, our guys at, uh, on Galaxy 2 are going to get a chance because they're currently signed. They're part of the team. Um, you know, they can be loaned up to, to uh, the MLS club. But Dennis is very much concerned about what the schedule is going to look like and if the Galaxy are going to have the depth to play a, a game and a half a week or two games a week. Yeah, it's a it's a smart thing. Going back to Christian Pavone too is is you know we've heard that the Galaxy have an option to buy him outright. Um, now uh, we've always said that we we didn't think that uh, they would be willing to spend the anywhere between ten and twenty million dollars that it would probably take uh, to buy out Christian Pavone. Um, but a decision on that, what we told at least is you know the end of June. Um, sort of had to make that up. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen, though, right, Kevin? I mean, we're, we're looking at Christian Pavone being a lone player until the end of this year, this calendar year, December 31st. Um, if there's a season, that means that Christian Pavone will play. But if there's not a season, then you could have seen the last of Christian v- Pavone playing whenever we were uh, at the uh, at the at Dignity Health Sports Park, uh, you know, last month. Yeah, well, the big loser in this is Christian Pavone, because you and I have talked about, we thought he was going to have an MVP-type season. If he did that, all of a sudden, a lot of European teams are interested in him. The the price the Galaxy would have to pay goes up. The pressure on the Galaxy to pay that price, right? Right. I mean, if you have a guy who has a great season, an MVP season, leads a team deep into the playoffs, which is what you and I had anticipated, uh, gets this great chemistry with Chicharito, the pressure is on the Galaxy to go off and sign him. So either way, whether he goes to Europe, goes back to Boca, or stays with the Galaxy, Christian Pavone is going to be a very, very rich man come Christmas time. All that's out the window now. I mean, we still may have a season. He still might get a chance to prove himself. But you know what? The teams in Europe, they're talking right now about half the teams in the French League going bankrupt. Uh, maybe five teams in, in the Bundesliga going bankrupt. All of a sudden, all that big money for players is going to disappear. Yes, Man City, Man United, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid may have money, but that's not what drives the prices for these guys. It's when Real Madrid right. is fighting with Sevilla or somebody for a player. That's what drives the prices up. That's gone now. As far as the Galaxy goes, we don't know how they're going to come out of it, but AEG is not doing well financially. All the concert venues are shut down. That's where they make their money. Um, there's nothing going on at Staples. There's nothing going on at the O Arena in London. Um, so the Galaxy just paid six, uh, a $10 million transfer fee for Chicharito, the largest in team history. They're obligated to pay him $18 million over the next three seasons. Even if they want Pavone really, really badly, I don't know if they're going to have money if this thing continues to drag on and, and those stadiums continue to sit empty. Yeah, it's interesting, though. I mean, you know, also with their um, their interest in in other teams, you know, like L.A. Kings, um, just in terms of of their ownership stakes in some of these teams, um, you wonder if MLS is less of an issue for them just because the money involved isn't as big as some of these other teams that they're having um, or if perhaps it's bad enough for AEG, uh, bad enough for Phil Anschutz that he once again decides that maybe he wants to put the LA Galaxy on the market in terms of being sold. Um, there's lots of questions, certainly, that are going to come from this. Um, just sort of, you know, I, I know a lot of people have been asking, Kevin, you know, do you think MLS survives this? And for me, 
I don't think that there's any doubt MLS can handle even not playing this year. Um, it doesn't seem like they would go completely away. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying it doesn't hit the bottom line, but it seems like MLS survives this. Uh, it seems like most of the clubs in major league soccer are probably okay, but you and I have talked about it. You know, new teams like FC Cincinnati or Nashville, uh, guys who don't necessarily have the deepest of pockets back behind them. Um, and who have maybe, maybe struggled to get into this league, certainly with FC Cincinnati, or if you look at, um, you know, Nashville, uh, didn't have the the flashiest of unveils. It, what, they weren't the Miami team, right? I mean, you know, whenever you're comparing the two. Um, so when you look at that, you know, what what effect is that going to have on some of those teams? Even an Austin FC, right? And a team that is planning on coming in, um, you know, is, is that ownership going to be able to survive not having the money that they thought they were probably going to have in order to do this? I, I still think everybody's okay, Kevin. Um, I think all this goes through and everybody's fine, but at the same time, there's questions that have to be asked about all this, about how healthy the league is coming out of this as well. Well, remember, the league has never made a profit as a league. Certain teams have. Um, and the league's fine with that because everyone's looking at the growth 10 or 15 years down the road. You buy a team, you pay a certain amount of money, and and you don't look to sell it tomorrow. You look to sell it down the road. And by that time, you're anticipating that'll be worth a lot more. This definitely retards that a little bit. Um, the league will survive. I don't know. I'm not as optimistic as you that every particular team that will survive. Look at LAFC. I mean, it, it, it sold out every game. It's had been very successful, had record season last year. They're still in the red, and they will be for quite some time. So if they in L.A. selling out every game at that beautiful stadium, if they're still in the red, like you said, FC Cincinnati, they don't even have their own stadium yet. Um, Nashville doesn't have its own stadium yet. Miami is playing in a, in a, in a um, temporary stadium. All right. of these teams, and then you look at Austin, you look at North Carolina, which paid $325 million expansion fee. All of that spending was contingent on the fact that the league goes forward, we get these uh, TV revenues, we get people through the gates, we sell our jerseys, all of those things that aren't happening. So that simply delays the day that some of these teams make the money back that they had anticipated. Maybe some of those owners can't go that far. And, and then when we talk about how you know Sevilla and and Betis and other some of these other teams in La Liga drive up the price for a player that goes to Real Madrid or Barcelona. I think the same thing happens in the United States, and you, it may not be quite as obvious, but I talked to Dave Sarakin today, and he's coaching in USL Championship. They The USL Championship has just taken off. This year, they're going to have 35 teams. They had over a billion dollars in stadium construction that had either been finished or was ongoing. They had their first national TV contract with ESPN. Um, USL Championship was going great guns. Dave Sarakin told me when they when this ends, there will not be 35 teams in USL Championship, and next year there will not be teams will not be coming back. So, as the foundation of soccer in the United States, you know, weekends with this, it it has to hurt MLS in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, will it survive? Yes. Will it will it uh, will it thrive? Yeah. It's just gonna. Where where the the league might be in in five years now it may, might have to wait ten years to get there. Yeah, it, it may just slow things down a little bit. Well, I, I know we have some other stuff we want to talk about, but I, I want to get to this uh, this interview with Mr. Edson Buttle here. Um, we were fortunate enough to have uh, Edson be able to uh, give us a call from New York. And so uh, what we want to do is uh, play with you that interview that Kevin and I did just a little bit earlier today. He joined the LA Galaxy back in 2007, was part of an MLS Cup winning team in 2012, lived through the heartbreak of 2009 
he's a man who has over 100 goals scored in Major League Soccer, and we're so glad that we could bring on uh, LA Galaxy great Mr. Edson Buttle. Edson, thanks for stopping by, buddy. Appreciate it. Um, thank you for having me. Um, pleasure to be here. Yeah, we uh, we reached out. I know Kevin uh, Kevin did a little interview with you a little bit earlier in the week, and uh, once I knew that he knew that he got in contact with you, I said this is going to be perfect because we're currently going on the show. Uh, we're going through a whole bunch of different things, and one of the things we have is a bracket out, and it's the best LA Galaxy team ever. Uh, we're down to our final four teams. Uh, the only MLS Cup winner that's not in there anymore is 2005. Um, and so, uh, you know, having somebody from the 2012 LA Galaxy, um, having, having being put in that, that position. I mean, uh, can you tell us if you think the 2012 LA Galaxy is the best Galaxy team that ever played? Um, yeah, I, I, one of the, those three championships that in my era when I was there, I feel like right. is the best Galaxy team. Um, 2012, unfortunately, I had knee surgery in the middle of that season. Yep. So I know people were looking for me to have you know, the same success in that season like I did in uh, 2010. But um, I kind of, I, I didn't really complain in the media. Oh, I have knee surgery. And, you know, I came back in the middle of the season. But um, if I had healthier, me probably would have been a little bit stronger. But maybe 2011, things seemed to flow a bit, um, I feel like. I feel like everything went in for them. Um, we had our ups and downs in 2012, but we still were sure about ourselves. And um, that definitely was one of the strong, stronger teams, I feel like, in L.A. Galaxy history. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, know. But, you but come, let's come... talk about the worst team, Edson. And you and I talked about this the other day. 2008, what happened? <laughs> you said you <laughs> scored a lot of goals that season, but you gave up a Yeah, lot. it was bittersweet. You know, we scored the most, but then again, we let up the most um, goals. Um, so it was, it was a tough year to say. Um, for myself as a goal scorer, I didn't want to rub it in that I was scoring a lot of goals because it's a team sport. Um, and kind of, I wanted to win ultimately. But um, yeah, they say the worst team, but I feel like scoring a lot of goals is entertaining for the fans as well. Yeah, yeah. 15 goals in, uh, in 2008 uh, for you there, Edson, and uh, over 2,200 minutes, 27 games played. So uh, a lot of minutes in that time. Um, but there's a turnaround in that, right? Because end of 2008, Bruce Arena comes in and then 2009, uh, you guys, I don't know, was, is, do we call it, you know, a fairy tale that, that sort of started this whole, uh, the, the whole, um, you know, reign of the LA Galaxy in 2009? Or was it more heartbreak in 2009? Oh, well, I don't want to discredit Bruce, but, um, you know, the timing of him taking over. We scored the most goals. Um, we let up the most. So you kind of know what we need, right? Defenders. So he goes out right. and gets um, Omar Gonzalez and A.J. De La Garza. Uh, I, th I think Sean Franklin as well. So um, mm -hmm. solid players. Um, they were all part of that, those championships and um, strengthened the team, ultimately. Yeah, well, but what does it take? I mean, you, you guys get to the final game in 2009. Um, you know, I was at that game up in Seattle. It was a cold, wet day. Uh, it stopped raining just before that, but it was cold and damp, and it was exactly as you'd expect the Pacific Northwest. Um, you go into that game, and really things really didn't break your, your way. You know, I think Donovan Ricketts got hurt in that game, um, ended up maybe breaking his hand in that game. Um, that may have been one of them. Um, but it eventually goes to penalty kicks and you guys lose. I mean, does does that set up? And we're always trying to figure out, um, we're always trying to figure out what makes the best teams the best teams. Um, we're trying to understand what that chemistry is like or or what adversity players and teams hit to to sort of be able to reach the next level. Was 2009 necessary? 
to be then make 2010, which was an unbelievably good team. Um, you know, 2011, 2012, the really good teams as that started to build was, was 2009 necessary for that to happen? Well, looking back in hindsight, I would say yes. Um, for myself, I could speak about um, missing a penalty and um, an offseason knowing that, um, you know, Bruce, I had Bruce in New York. I just wanted to mention right. that. So Bruce, I had him in New York with the Red Bulls and he came in and then I decided to go to Toronto FC um, with Mo Johnson. You know, um, he's a striker himself. You know, Mo Johnson played for Celtic and Rangers. He's uh, I respect him as a, uh, a coach and he took a liking to me, wanted to pay me more. And um, all of a sudden, um, Bruce comes back to L.A. So I felt pressure. <laughs> or he didn't come back to L.A. Sorry, he gets acquired to L.A. as the head coach. Right. So I'm thinking, oh, man, he's going to want to, you know, cut my salary or, you know, maybe trade me or, you know, it was I just didn't want to leave L.A. at this point. And um, so 2009, you know, what I'm saying, oh, man, we lost and I missed my penalty kick. And I just want to I don't want it to end this way, you know, so I, I prepared right. myself in the offseason as much as I can to start the season off. And um, it paid it paid off um, 2010 after that 2009. And um, I ended up going, um, you know, on a goal scoring spree. And um, Bruce took a liking to me. I think we took a liking to each other. And um, <laughs> kind of like you said, it set things up, you know. And um, also, I want to say having Beckham, you have Beckham there. You're in L.A. Pressure from the, the public, the fans, um, right. the DP. You know, we want him to be successful. Um, I think that all set it up, you know, getting to getting to the finals, especially after 2008 um, and 2007, the rebuilding years, you know, um, kind of, you know, we wanted to win, get L.A. back to their winning ways. It's like New York. I'm from New York. So I, mean, I still have the pressure. I grew up seeing the pressure of the media front page Yankees, you know, Knicks. I mean, they're still terrible, but um, <laughs> L.A. is the same thing. <laughs> No, it is. You, you got to win. You, you got to win. You got to have stars. I mean, you had an unbelievable, uh, you know, goal scoring streak in some of these years. And, and I know, you know, eventually went off to uh, to test it into Europe as well. Um, but, you know, it, what does what did being an L.A. Galaxy player mean to you whenever uh, whenever it's all said and done? Um, man, I was excited to go there. Um, for one, my mom, when she first came to uh, the States um, from Jamaica, she she uh, went to L.A. first. So there's a little history there. And then right. just the um, the history of the galaxy, you know, Kobe Jones, you know, um, man, I could go Landon's there, you know, you have all these right. stars, you know, you think of L.A. I know when I played against L.A., um, I always thought like uh, I want to play my best game, you know, it's the galaxies coming in, you know. Um, so when I was finally on the team, you know, there's a sense of pride, it's like being a Yankee, I feel like, you know, in America. So it's like, OK, <laughs> um, if I can't get it right um, in L.A., and with Beckham on the team, um, I might as well just hang it up, you know, because I'm getting good service and I'm good weather, I, and um, I can't complain, you know. But yeah, you know, before you makes... get away from 2010, you were on the World Cup team. You were on the field when Donovan scored that great goal against Algeria. Um, you know, th that that had to be a big year for you, not just playing so well for the Galaxy, but but being on a World Cup team that went to the round of 16. Yeah, it was um, it was one of my best experiences, probably the best experience um, going to the World Cup. Um, but but it kind of robbed me of getting the um, the golden boot in MLS because I missed five games and Wando edged me with one goal. Um, so <laughs> it's like I'd rather pick the World Cup, but I wanted that golden boot just for my 
collection of trophies here. It's not in this cabinet. It's um, in the other <laughs> one. <laughs> There's a spot but, um, for it. We could squeeze it in there. <laughs> definitely, I could clear some space, you know? Spacing is good, you know? Like soccer, the spacing has to be right. That, that's funny. Well, you know, you, we talk about it, and I know Kevin was, was sort of, he and I were, were trading off notes before we uh, before we talked to you. Um, but, you know, the, the first name Edson certainly has a very special soccer meaning to, to people who understand, you know, what that name means. Uh, why don't you why don't you explain what it was like growing up with that name? Well, I had no definitely had no pressure with the name Edson, you know, um, <laughs> in America. <laughs> um, nobody yeah. knew. Um, I, I spoke to uh, Kevin about this briefly and um, it's like I had a double life, you know, all my soccer friends on the weekend, they knew about Edson and Pele, but still it's America. They didn't put no, they didn't really put any pressure on me. Um, and at, and at school, you know, um, around, around my neighborhood in Westchester, um, nobody really knew Pele, you know, unless few kids would say things, but they didn't know the significance of it, you know, and, and what that means around the world. Um, and, and now that I'm older, I appreciate it even more. You know, I always have to say it twice when I introduce myself. Um, it's, um, Edson, Edson, you know, um, but Pele, you know, one of the greatest soccer players ever, um, to play the game, um, or the best, um, three world cups, um, only played in Brazil. Um, he didn't play in the premier league or Serie A or La Liga, you know, he, he, um, played in Brazil and that crop of Brazilian players, um, made each other better. And, um, maybe, you know, there's no internet either to see what they were doing, how they prepared. So, (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> it was like a sneak attack, low key, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, that's really interesting. But, but I mean, you know, having having the name Edson and obviously the tie to Pele. I mean, you you were going to be a soccer player. I mean, is there any doubt in your mind that you were ever going to be a soccer player, or or did you have doubts growing up? You know, that that maybe you wouldn't be a, be a soccer player. Well, I couldn't negotiate. You know, when I came out the womb, you know. Um, right, right. But my dad loved Brazil. You know. Um, He's um, factuated or, you know, with um, Brazilian soccer. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's where it comes from. You know, um, he, he loves the way they play. Um, he's kind of self-made where his dad, my grandfather was an architect. And, um, you know, once my grandmother and my grandfather split up, my, my dad came here when he was a teenager. And my dad's one of those guys who'll read a book. If he likes something, he'll read a book on it. And then right. he'll master it, whether it's pool, ping pong, <laughs> you know, soccer, <laughs> you know, um, he's, he's, he's athletic too. And he, you know, he, he's not a drinker or a smoker or anything like that. So he's very, uh, health conscious and a fit guy. And, um, and since there wasn't a league back then, everything was folding when he was coming up, he just instilled everything, um, into me and, um, kind of just watched me on my journey, you know? Um, and, and he didn't really, he, he kept, it's kind of humbling because he was good. So it was like, I was trying to impress him and not everybody else. Right. <laughs> and he's so good well, that, you know, um, you, you know, he had the soccer academy there, too, when you were growing up. And I, I talked to Dave Sarakin today and the teams that you played on with the Galaxy. Look at the Chris Klein, Jovan Karowski. They went into front office. Todd Donovan is a general manager at, at Sacramento. But then you have Landon Donovan as a coach. Um, David Beckham is a team owner. Robbie Keane is an assistant coach with Ireland. Greg Burhalter, one of your teammates, coach with the national team. All those guys in that team. And I asked Dave Sarakin, I said, Edson Buttle's a coach now, too. You're a coach in the USL. Did you see that coming? And Dave said, no, I did not see Edson becoming a coach. Um, <laughs> but that was what you grew up with. That was uh, that was an obvious uh, career path for you. 
Yeah, yes, it was. And um, I got my license in 2009 and um, I retired in 2016. So it wasn't something where I was scrambling to decide what I was going to do. It was just figure out how am I going to get there. And um, and um, yeah, I did grow up with a soccer dad um, in an academy. We started in 1994, Golden Touch Soccer. And um, one of my things going forward, I want to be transparent, you know, as a player. I wasn't the most, I wasn't uh, vocal in the locker room. I kind of led by example, you know, I'll show you what to do or I'll adjust for my teammate, you know, instead of telling my teammate what to do, I'll see what my teammate is doing and then kind of adjust my game to complement my teammate, you know, and that's how I got over. I think I would have made life a lot easier for myself if I just communicate with my teammate and, um, and so I don't have to do as much running. But um, that's why I give credit to like Robbie Keane and those guys, because he was vocal to make life easy for himself. And uh, with his, um, you know, ability, he he made it look nice. He look, made it look beautiful. You know, Robbie, I'm a big fan of how he did it. And, um, I took note. Of, I took note of that for sure. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, no. Uh, everybody, everybody always talks about you know big fans of Robbie Keane and and how was we were we were talking about before the show. It's like he's one of those guys we also want to get on the podcast to sort of pick his brain, sort of the same way we're doing. But I, I wanted to point this out because Kevin sort of mentioned it a little bit. Um, but you're now the head coach of the USL League Two uh, Westchester Flames, right? I, I want to make sure I get all that correct. Um, That's correct. So right okay, okay, right there. Okay, perfect. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that was great. Kinda, but, you know. <laughs> But but have yeah. you even got to uh, to coach a coach a game yet? Um, no, I haven't. Um, not for the Flames, no. <laughs> but um, I've right. done it with Golden Touch, and you know, I feel like it's in my second nature. Even though I wasn't vocal, you know, I've definitely I never was shut down. I never was in a video um room with the like going over tape film with right. the team, and I've spoken. They're like, Etsy, you're crazy," you know. So I've I've <laughs> everybody um you know kind of agreed with what I always said and I, I I didn't really notice it till I look back and I say damn I guess I really do know the game I just needed to be consistent with with holding others accountable like how I hold myself accountable yeah well it makes sense and that, that wasn't a slight it was more just that you know with coronavirus coming in I know that you know the season has sort of been put on hold and everybody's sitting around yeah. as we're doing with major league soccer and everything else um and it's sort of denying you that chance to be out there on the field right now you know coaching your guys is is it uh, in New York as well. Let's let's put it in the proper context. In New the Rochelle, You're in New, New York. York. He's he's at the epicenter. He's at the epicenter. New Rochelle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, this this, uh, this is what what's going through your mind right now? I mean, you know, obviously you want to be there with soccer, but as Kevin rightfully says, you're at the epicenter. You're at the center of all of this coronavirus uh, outbreak. Um, you know, what's what's it like for you right now? Well, um, it gives me. Well, first of all, I like to say I had a meeting with my the owner of the flames gus and um he says he has a meeting with the league on wednesday and um hopefully we're still able to have a season but if not um we just gotta you know take lemons and make lemonade you know and uh, maybe camps and clinics it will also give me time um to scout a little bit more you know i came in about october so it was about midway through the college season and um right. I, I do have a good you know I have some good players. I'm good at ammunition, but um, I was I was confident about that. But you really don't know what you have until the first game. So so um, yeah, I mean it's bittersweet, but it gives me like I'm from this area. My dad's built up a lot of relationships um, as far as in the community, and I, I plan on using that 
um, to, to build a, a good team here. And not also the USL, but, but the, the academy. Um, just a culture where the kids connect with the first team and, and we integrate and, um, and help you know, develop the best product and um, share all my experience and put it into the club. And um, there's really not too many pros from my area that made it as far as I did. So I plan right. on using that to my strength, um, not, not even the kids, the coaches, and just get in the mix again um, in my community. Well, I know that there are a lot of uh, people, a lot of L.A. Galaxy fans who are looking forward to possibly seeing you back whenever they were honoring some of these uh, MLS Cup champion teams. I, I know that right now everything's sort of put on hold uh, with all that and with the season put on hold. But I'm glad that you could stop by, Edson, and uh, at least talk to us for a little bit. Uh, we wish you uh, all the best uh, with uh, with uh, the Westchester Flames there. And uh, hopefully we can have you back on the podcast real soon. Hey, before Man, you go, you. Edson, when we oh, talked yes. the other day... Oh, go ahead. Kevin. I'm sorry. When we talked before, when we talked to the day, you were you were like, "Why are you calling me?" You need to know, uh, and I think Josh <laughs> will back me up on this. You are still a huge fan favorite here in in Alex. We see people with the 14 Buttle jerseys on at games all, all the, the time. time. People yep. remember you very, very fondly. They they liked the way that you played, the way you hustled, the way you you never got in trouble, the way that you were just a baller, that you went out there and played. And so um, don't feel like anyone's forgotten you here. No, I appreciate that, Kevin. Um, and, and you know, I, when you're there in the moment, you know, just because people are running up to you and saying, oh, it's Nets, Nets, you know, you, you tend to forget that people actually do pay attention. Um, I don't even think I want that anyway, you know, um, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, they, that's good to hear and good to know. And um, I have definitely not forgotten L.A. Um, and I know how passionate L.A. fans are people are passionate about their teams, you know, and um, that's one thing that I'll never forget. You know, that goes through my veins because um, I'm passionate about the sport. And, um, you know, thank you for, for allowing me to share. Um, I'll give you an update on where I'm at now and uh, make the most out of this quarantine. And um, it's a pleasure <laughs> to meet both of you. I feel like I've seen Kevin somewhere before. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but it's been at the um, World Cup at the Silva Center. Yes, 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 exactly. At exactly. a post office, perhaps. <laughs> exactly. America's most wanted. It's all coming yeah. back to me now. Just the Good picture. Just the picture. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, man. Awesome. Thank you for awesome. coming by. And Josh, Thanks nice so to meet you as well. I'm pretty sure we crossed paths somewhere or another. We know? we definitely did once or twice, Edson, but definitely it was yeah. uh, great having you yeah. on. So take care, all right? Thank, Thank you. you. Take care, guys. Stay safe. Put the mask on. Don't forget your mask. <laughs> A great interview there uh, from Mr. Edson, but always great. He was having – you know what, Kevin? It's always nice to see uh, a, a former player – it feels like he's sort of found his his right spot where he's supposed to be. He's in New York, you know, like he said, he's he's sort of around uh, where his dad uh, had made a lot of contacts. I mean, he's following his dad's footsteps. I don't know. The guy just seems like he has like a sparkle in his eye right now. Well, you know what he told me uh, when when I talked to him is he said it's a two story house and his mom and stepdad are on one floor and he's on the other floor. And they're sort of quarantined together. He's the one that goes out and gets the food and everything and brings it back for everybody. But um, they they they're in the same house, but they don't see each other. That's got to be a weird thing. That, that that is pretty funny. Well, all all interesting, but it was great to have him. Um, I want to touch on a couple more things, and I know we didn't get all the way through uh, some of the stuff that you and Dennis talked about. Uh, but one of the things that uh should have been obvious to me and was not obvious is that whenever FC Cincinnati uh, had to uh, release their coach or fire their coach just before the season started for things that he said. Um, if you don't know that story, you should go look it up, but, um, that they are looking for a new head coach. Um, and why not? And obviously they should be 
looking at Dominic Kinnear. Dominic Kinnear, obviously an assistant coach with the LA Galaxy, uh, was an interim head coach for the LA Galaxy at one point, whenever Siggy um, was let go and Dominic took over and had some really great success, Kevin, um, with the LA Galaxy there down a stretch. But um, it seems like uh, SC Cincinnati could be uh, also looking at Dominic Kinnear uh, for their head coaching. Well, I asked Dominic about, or excuse me, I asked uh, Dennis about that, and he seemed taken back that I knew that, that I had heard that there, there was a possibility of that. And Dennis being, as I said at the beginning, a straight shooter, he said, yes, they have formally re- reached out. It's been a formal request. And then Dennis hastened to add, but I also know they've talked to a couple of coaches in Europe, you know, trying to like talk me down off the ledge a little bit. But then after our right. interview ended, he sent me a message on on WhatsApp. Um, and he said, uh, he started out saying, I'm, I want to read it here. Thanks for the nice talk. And then he said, I would add to Dominic's candidacy in Cincinnati that I really appreciate his work with us. Also his work with the, with the players day to day. He is valued at the club. I can see why Cincinnati would like to have him, but listen to the way he starts that. I really appreciate his work with us. It's almost like past tense. It feels like he, like, like he's decided that, that Dominic is, is going to move on. So why would Cincinnati want him? Well, he's a two-time MLS winning coach. He's one of the winningest coaches in MLS history. Uh, Dominic loves it here. His family loves it here. Why would Dominic want to go? Well, um, his job last year, by the way, he's, he has learned Spanish, and all the coaching uh, meetings, as we know, are, are all in Spanish now with the Argentine coaching staff at the Galaxy under uh, Guillermo Barascololo. Um but one of the reasons they kept Dominic was he was going to be their eyes and ears around MLS. He was going to teach the Argentine coaching staff, you know, what was up with MLS, uh, who was a good player, who was a good team, how the teams play, the style. Dennis, he Dominic has served that 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 uh, that job. He's done that, and I think he feels like he's kind of a third wheel. He's not really that useful on the coaching staff. I know he's a very valued coach, but these guys that came from Argentina, they came as a staff. They've been together for years down in Argentina. Right. And I kind of feel like Dominic probably felt like, you know, I can be more useful somewhere else. And I think this would be a great move for Dominic. And I think that's why Dennis is so um, um, in his corner, I guess, so supportive of this because, you know, Dominic's been a good soldier. And and uh, Dennis is the kind of guy that wants him to thrive and be happy. Uh, I think he'd hate to see him leave, but I think he'd be happy to see him leave, too. Okay, can we, I mean, just from a personal side of things and, and having to deal with uh, Dominic Kinnear over the years and, and seeing him... Um, just the nicest guy in the world. So soccer knowledgeable. Um, he holds the record for the assistant coach. I've almost hit with my car more than once. Um, so that's all, you know, that's a good thing as well. Um, it, I always seem to run into him, uh, at the, uh, at Staples center in the garage underneath Staples center after one of the LA galaxy events that we've had there, I always seem to, and he always stops and says hi. Uh, so he's always been great. Um, so, you know, for my money in terms of just the niceness of the guy, he's great. Now we also know Kevin talking to the players that were under Dominic down the stretch. Um, you remember, uh, I remember asking Dominic a, a question, uh, the galaxy had just got eliminated in their last game against Houston, right? This was, uh, whenever they were getting ready to play in the playoffs, they had got eliminated. And I asked him a question. I'm like, listen, coach, I understand, um, you know, what, what just happened out there. I would go, but the run that you put together was impressive. I mean, the LA Galaxy really started to turn under un, under Dominic Kinnear down the stretch of what it's like, I think the last eight games or something like that. Uh, they had it all to play for, and they fell just a little bit short there, Kevin. And I asked Dominic to, if he could put any of that into perspective. And he's like, no, not right now. He goes, we're all heartbroken. You know, this is the, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, no, we're all heartbroken. How can we put that into perspective right now? And it was just, it's such an honest answer. I mean, yeah, you could have, he could have said, yeah, I can look back on this and say, yeah, we, you know, we really did something. We just came up a little short, but it was like, no, 
we put all the passion, and Dom seems like that guy. He puts all the passion, all the fight on the field and for those players. Um, I feel like he's 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 well-valued within GBS's, um, you know, sort of uh, contingent of coaches there, but he's not the main guy, and he's a former head coach. You would expect that perhaps he would still want to be a head coach somewhere whenever he came and joined Siggy. That was one of the questions that we all asked was whether or not Dominic Kinnear would be staying because he's a head coach and Siggy was a head coach, and that, that can't work, right? But Dominic has now been in this position now for multiple years, so... So again, when you look at this, you know, I feel like Dominic is is a guy who is going to do great things wherever he goes. And if he stays with the L.A. Galaxy, I think that's a real benefit to the L.A. Galaxy. Um, but I could certainly see him going to, to FC Cincinnati. That all makes sense to me, Kevin. Well, Dominic is a loyal guy. I mean, if I, unless I'm mistaken, I believe he was an assistant at San Jose before the, the franchise folded when they were the first earthquakes when they were good, uh, you know, playing there. Then he went, then the, the franchise moved to Houston. And Dominic became the head coach and won two MLS Cups. Um, so yep. he's a proven coach. Um, then he comes to the Galaxy, and and right, when he was under Ziggy, we all asked the question, look, do you want to be a head coach? Is this, is this what you're here for? And he was super loyal to Ziggy, even when things started to go off the rails a little bit. Uh, Dominic, that I, as far as I know, was not in there politicking for the job. He took it reluctantly. Ziggy had to call him and tell him, look, they fired me. You take the job. He did. He, he coached really well, and I think he felt like, hey, I deserve an opportunity to be this, the coach full time. They went and got Guillermo. You know, Dominic could have left then in a huff. He said, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to help the transition. I'm committed to this. I'm committed to the galaxy. I'm going to help the transition. Now I think it's a little bit different, though. I think he's become the conduit to the coaching staff for some of the English dominant players who don't speak Spanish, like a Daniel Steris. But I, I I just get the sense that in some of the strategy meetings, he's ignored a little bit. You know, it's the... Uh, the the the, the Scalotto brothers that sort of get together and make the game plan and and I think I do think Dominic feels again like a third wheel and the opportunity for Cincinnati came up. I think it's great that the the Galaxy seem to be very supportive of this. They all admit they if he goes, they're losing a very important part of their team. But I think they look back and say, man, this guy he's been so such a good soldier, such a supportive guy. Um, that he deserves us, and and this will serve them well too. Because if if they all of a sudden start to say, no, you have a contract, you can't leave. No one else is going to want to come in and be a coach under those circumstances. Yeah, we always say the same thing about players: is if a player wants to leave, you're best off by figuring out a place for him to go uh, where he's happy. Because players hear about that, and that was certainly the case during uh, Bruce Arena's tenure. The players knew that if they wanted to go somewhere, that they can move him. Dennis has already sort of gotten that. We know of at least one player uh, that was moved at their request. So, um, you know that that's all interesting, good news, and and that's how it goes. Let's talk a little bit now, Kevin, before we uh, wrap up the show. Uh, some other things that have sort of fallen by the wayside with the uh, coronavirus pandemic and everything else is going along. Uh, one of the games supposedly that was supposed to open up uh, SoFi Stadium, it wasn't just Taylor Swift, uh, which uh, I did not have tickets for because I have a baby now and I'm not allowed to go to those concerts, um, you know, without my wife. So she says we can't, I can't leave her home. So no Taylor Swift concert tickets for me. Uh, but one of the games that was supposed to be able to play uh, was Barcelona versus Real Madrid at SoFi Stadium. And apparently that game, uh, now canceled, Kevin. That would have been a, uh, a, a our first test of a rivalry match in a st- in that stadium, Kevin. Because you know I want to move El Trafico there eventually. Yeah, well, th- this it was going to be part of the International Championship uh, Champions Cup that uh, the summer uh, tournament of friendlies that you know brings Manchester United and Juventus and Barcelona here. This would have been the second time only that El Clasico, Real Madrid, and Barcelona was played outside Spain. The first time was. 
couple years ago in Miami Gardens. Um, so they had originally talked to Las Vegas. They wanted to play in the new NFL stadium there. And for whatever reason, talks fell through. And then they settled on SoFi Stadium. Now, no papers had been signed, but there was an agreement that that game would be played in August. I believe the Rams would have had one exhibition game before that. So that would have been the first sporting event. But that was definitely a, a big event they were planning. That whole tournament now, the whole ICC, has been canceled for a number of different reasons. But yeah. as far as we're concerned here, that wipes out that game. It probably wiped out at least one game that would have been played at Dignity Health Sports Park. Unnamed teams would have played there, but the ICC plays the game there every year. So we lost the game at, at Dignity Health Sports Park, and then we lost the big one at SoFi Stadium. And, by the way, the way that the calendar had fallen – um, before they uh, decided to play that game at SoFi, one reason they did is everybody would have been there. It, we would have had Gareth Bale and 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 Messi and Suarez. Messi has a real um, sort of difficult record with LA. When you look at it, he was supposed to come and play a charity game here at the Coliseum a couple years ago. That fell through. Then he was going to play uh, with Argentina last year in a um, in a summer. I guess it was a summer game, and uh, he got a red card at the end of the Copa America. And had to sit right. out a certain number of games. Had to sit out that game. Um, right. He's been scheduled to play in LA a million times, and I don't think he's played here once yet. Yeah, it just it just doesn't never seems to happen. I'm trying to remember the LA Galaxy played uh, played Barcelona at the Rose Bowl a while back, and I'm trying to remember if Messi play played. Suarez okay. did, but Messi did not play. Messi did not play. So there you go. Um, so yeah, there was a, all, all interesting stuff. The uh, the last thing I sort of wanted to touch on here, Kevin, uh, EMLS, your favorite. Uh, I know how much you love oh, yeah. them esports. Uh, but anyway, for? that's right. <laughs> Electronic. That's what it stands for. Oh, okay. Um, the, the LA Galaxy uh, and uh, Major League Soccer put out a press release today. Um, basically saying that there will be an EMLS tournament uh, special presented by Coca-Cola and PlayStation set for Sunday, April 19th. On, yeah, I was going to say on Fox Sports 1 and Fox Deportes. So FS1 and Deportes. Uh, this is a multiple. Let's see. So uh, as I can see, Sunday, April 19th, Sunday, April 26th, Sunday, May 3rd, five, Sunday, May five, 10th, Sunday, May 17th. Weeks. That's five weeks, Kevin. It's five weeks. I was gonna say, yeah, I was, I just, I was doing it for, for dramatic radio flair there, and, and you were like, it's just five weeks, just get, just get but, to it, uh, get it. Yeah, it ends with a championship, but the, the matchups are really interesting because what they're gonna do is, is each uh, series is three games, right? Right. Um, but no, each, start, each series is, is two, well, games, two games, right? Like one, game leg two. Yeah. So, it, for example, on Sunday we have the Chicago Fire playing FC Cincinnati, and the two play, and, and so what you have in the first game is two real live on the field players playing a video game against one another. They're going to have Francisco Calvo uh, against Kendall Watson. Um, uh, Francisco Calvo playing for Chicago Fire and Kendall Watson for FC Cincinnati. They're going to play each other in a video game. Then that's leg one. Then leg two is the two EMLS players from those two franchises. And so that's leg two. And then the two leg series will be decided on aggregate goals. Okay. And the winner of that then moves on to the quarter to the semifinals, which will be played, uh, believe in mid May after the MLS season is supposed to open. Remember, we're still under the, under the, the idea that the season will open May 10th. It won't spoiler alert. It won't. In fact, they're already playing EMLS games on May 17th. So that'll tell you the second game on television on Sunday will be an El Trafico, an electronic, an EL Trafico, Adama Diamandi from LAFC, who, by the way, his mother is working under difficult conditions at the largest hospital in, in Norway, uh, and he is uh, very worried about her. She's treating coronavirus patients in Norway. 
Um, so Dama Diamante of LAFC will play Javier Chicharito Hernandez. Uh, there you go. And, in the first leg there, then the second leg will be the two uh, EMLS players. Uh, and then whoever on aggregate goal will advance. And then you have match three becomes the winner of match one versus the winner of match two. Um, yep. And so then you go through, you have Minnesota United play sporting Kansas city. Tyler Miller will be one of the players there. Um, it, Red Bulls against New York city FC. That's the New York Derby. Aaron long and Sean Johnson two uh, national team teammates will play there. Um, Toronto will play Vancouver. Uh, Marky Delgado from Glendora, California will be in that. And then it, it ends with a EMLS Cup on May 17th, which will also be televised, uh, provided there are no real live games on the field because the season resumes on May 10th, the commissioner said. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, that was their best guess way back in the day. We all knew that one was a pipe dream, uh, but that's what you have. So, I mean, they're doing it, it, Listen, everybody's trying to follow what NASCAR is doing, right? And NASCAR has the ability to do it probably better than anybody, uh, whether or not that maybe F1 could also do this as well, if you really look well, at it. But whatever you're doing, tell me what NASCAR is yeah, doing. Well, well, NASCAR basically has real drivers racing against real drivers on a simulated track in esports, and they're getting like a million people watching this. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. I mean, but I mean, that's that—that's their ability to do that. I mean, you can't have Tiger Woods playing, you know, uh, PlayStation Four golf and saying that the skills are similar. That you have to learn. That's why the driving makes the most sense. Is because at least the skills somewhat translate there. Uh, we'll see. If in this particular case, uh, the the real soccer players also have some sort of added skill uh, to their PlayStation ability and, and being able to play that way on these esports things. But it just doesn't translate the same way as it does. Like if you have a guy driving a driving a car in NASCAR and, you know, driving a car on, on electronically in NASCAR. But, you know, by the way, back in the day when I actually covered NASCAR, so this is 15 years ago, before all the electronics got to, to the point where you could go and look at a track on a camera. A lot right. of young NASCAR drivers told me that if they hadn't been to Talladega before, they hadn't been to Phoenix, and all the tracks are different, that they would drive uh, an electronic car. They would get online and play the game uh, and learn how to handle the track. They said it was that – and this was 15 years ago. They said it was that realistic that you could play the, the video game and it would teach you how, to, how the track would react uh, on yeah. race day. And so that's why – that may be why NASCAR, as you said, may be the best use of this kind of technology. The tracks are yeah, real. Yeah, the cars are real. Yeah, exactly. And certainly, I think even uh, even teams in racing now have developed their own software that does the same thing as these video games. Even takes it to like the next level and installs the actual like chassis of the car. And it's it's a whole thing. Um, certainly, and that's where you get millions and millions of dollars. But anyway, EMLS uh, coming to FS1 and Fox Deportes is coming up starting on Sunday, April nineteenth. Uh, again, April twenty sixth, April uh, or Sunday, May third, Sunday, May tenth. And Sunday, May 17th, 4 p.m. Pacific time for all of those. That way you can go ahead and follow any of that. Yes, Kevin. You know what's interesting is this will be Chicharito's first El Trafico, and it'll be electronic. It'll be electronic. I know. It'll, it'll definitely be uh, one of those things to watch. So uh, make sure you do that. are going to be there. You know, are the, are the fans, are, is it going to be loud like it is in a real game? Is, uh, no, you know, I mean, going to be the trash talking and stuff? Are they going to have which, that? Which, which stadium do they play at? I mean, you know, there's a lot of questions. Do you have one of them play at one stadium and one of them play at the other stadium? It's I mean, home, home and home. Yeah, but who? who uh, yeah. the, the players. I think the first game right this year was supposed to be at Dignity Health Sports Park. I'm looking at my schedule. Um, LAFC. The first game, no, on May 16th was going to be at Bank of California. So maybe yeah. the players will play at Bank of California, and then the esports guys will play at they, at Dignity. They won't. They won't. And you know why? 
because Bank of California Stadium isn't in the FIFA universe. Only uh, oh, Disney Hell Sports Park is there. So, so it's a home uh, and home and home for the Galaxy. Yeah, I was going to say, and the only reason that that's the case is because of uh, whenever the Chargers played at Dignity Health Sports Park, Madden had to put the stadium into Madden, uh, EA Sports' NFL game, right? Um, and then that made the model available for uh, the ability to be able to put into FIFA as well. That's It was just, I remember when all of that happened. So uh, all interesting stuff, and, and that's how it goes. So I, I think that's I it, Kevin. I think, crowd. I hope it's not a Charger crowd. That would be I was dismal. Say, there would be nobody there. Um, yeah. So... I think we've exhausted all of our all of our talk for today. I can tell we're running on fumes already as we're as we're discussing uh, stadiums in 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 FIFA as it goes. Uh, is there anything else uh, that you wanted to get to before we uh, get on out of here? There was nothing that I was going to get to when we started. So no, there's nothing now. An hour later, that was great. Hey, we, we got to talk to Edson Buttle, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so thank I, you, I think Edson. If, yeah, Edson, we appreciate it, and hopefully uh, he'll have a, a, some success whenever USL uh, League 2 there starts back up, uh, and then maybe we can have him back on again. So it was great. Um, all right, I think that about does it. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11, and of course, head on over to latimes.com for all of Kevin's wonderful writing, uh, covering soccer and everything else right now, so make sure you follow him over there at latimes.com. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com, where you can vote for our best LA Galaxy team ever bracket. Final four is up there. All four MLS Cup winners, minus 2005 MLS Cup winners. Uh, vote decide the best MLS ever. In. All right. Mr. Kevin, the hand the Baxter, I'm Josh, Pat, no guest, and you You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.